Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Well Far, the weekly running podcast that will be by your side as you train for 26.2. It's hosted by me, Amy Hopkinson. By day, I'm Women's Health Digital Editor, but when not in the office, I'm a marathon runner too. So this year, with the race on the horizon, I'm here to help with blisters and bruises, runners' highs and lows, what to eat before Sunday run day, and how the heck you refuel after. So put on your trainers, plug yourself in, let's get going. everyone and welcome back to Welfare. At this very moment, if it's a Sunday morning and you're listening to this, I will be towing the line at Paris Marathon. Ah! <laughs> I can't quite believe it. It's come around so quickly. Today it's kind of, it's just hit that I'm on my seven days countdown. But anyway, enough about me, a little bit about you. So when I started out on this journey, I never imagined how far and wide the Welfare community would reach. It's bonkers. And in total, you guys have listened to this podcast more times than there are runners at New York, London and Manchester marathons combined. And you've also sent me so many DMs to tell me. And getting these messages makes my day because it's what's in the messages that always makes me smile. So from the news of your PBs that you never thought you'd hit, to the backstory of why you signed up for months and months of arduous training, to the advice from the welfare guests you've put into practice, Helping you to succeed is what this podcast set out to do. So thank you for letting us know that it has helped and thank you for being part of the community and continuing to listen. Your mileage and accomplishment proves that if we're healthy, have a pair of trainers and a plan, we can all be runners. We just need to give it a go. That said, giving it a go requires mental strength as much as physical strength, doesn't it? So this week, I'm going to head into the studio with the most brilliant guests to help with that. In a moment, you're going to join myself and the Mind Medic for a good old chat about how to get your mind race ready. We talk about easing fears and dealing with doubtful thoughts and how to get past those negative thought loops that kind of happen around 16 miles, 20 miles. And I think it happened to me at about 25 last year when my legs, they just went so heavy. And it was like I was running through quicksand when I was on this bit of the like on the corner of the park just before you went round past Buckingham Palace and then there was kind of the final stretch. I just remember thinking, my God, I can't do it. I should give up. And it was this kind of like negative mini show that was happening in my mind. And I had to tell myself to snap out of it. But I know that had I had some better tools, that might not have happened. So that's what we're going to chat about today. The other thing though, before I go into it, is I thought I'd share a bit about how I've been kind of setting myself up to feel confident. So first of all, in the past week or two weeks, I've been trying to remove as much of the fear of the unknown as possible. One of the big things I think that I was really, really confused and maybe a little bit stressed about last year was what to wear on race day and also what I needed for race day. And so this time around, I've been kind of getting over that by planning 
before and testing kit so that I know what I need. And so in the past week, I've been trying out different kits and outfits for the different weather that could potentially happen on race day. I've been planning all my outfits and knowing exactly what goes with what and then putting them together in little piles once I've tested them on a run. Obviously, I'm not gonna try out brand new kit now, but the chances are that not many of us have been running in shorts unless you went out for a run the last Sunday, like I did when it was 17 or 18 degrees. It's bonkers. Um, but before then, I'd been running in leggings. So for the past week, I've been testing all the different shorts I've got just to decide what I'm gonna wear on race day if it's hot again. I'm not suggesting go out and buy new shorts. I'm suggesting wear shorts you've already got, make sure they're okay and do some distance in them. Same goes with vests, long sleeves, bras, socks. Make sure you know that you've got a hot weather outfit, a kind of a mid weather outfit and a cool weather outfit. Last year, I was caught out in that heat wave, like I said. I'm not gonna make that mistake twice. I've also been dealing with the kind of, <laughs> the question which always comes up about what to wear to the start line. Um, I like to stay warm in a race pen. And so what I'm going to do this year is I've decided is there's a local charity shop near me. So I'm just gonna pop in there and buy myself a jumper that I'm gonna to wear to the start line. The reason I'm doing that is because you want to wear something to the start line, which you can take off and you leave at the side. And then there are charities which come along and pick up the clothes because you don't wanna be running with any extra clothes. So what I've decided to do is buy something from a charity shop because then the money gets donated to charity. And um, then obviously I can leave it at the side of the race and then it gets donated again. The other thing which I've felt a bit stressed about in the past is not really knowing the route or being able to visualize it. So what I've been doing is going on Google Maps and I plotted the kind of route and I've been using their satellite Im images to bring it to life because it just really helps me see it a bit better than kind of an illustrative map. Um, and then the last thing I've been doing is trying out my race day routine. And so this Sunday, actually today, when you guys are listening to this, I'm doing my full race day routine. Although I won't be traveling the Paris underground to the start line. However, I am gonna be doing everything else today. So I'll be waking up at the time I need to for race day, eating my race day breakfast, putting on all my kit, traveling to a long run start point and then setting off on my last run at the time that the Paris Marathon is planned to begin. The reason I'm doing this is because I want my body and mind to know what's happening so there's no last minute panic and like I said it just removes that fear of not knowing what's going to happen on race day because essentially you've already done it or at least <laughs> you've done your routine that gets you to the start line. So it's a nice moment now to talk about my run chat this week. I'm actually going on a run with a giant panda in training who is also known as Kate Carter. But before we get there, let's do a quick shout out to Frankie who made me laugh so much this week that I actually sprayed my post-run glass of rosé everywhere. She did her longest run and she posted this caption with her Instagram, which was, until today, the only thing I've done non-stop for three hours was drink wine. Frankie, I hear ya. I hope you celebrated with a glass and also really enjoyed that run. Right then, on to today's show. Don't forget though, guys, this is our last but one episode. So please do subscribe so you're the first to know about welfare news that'll be happening later in the year. Let's go.
today I'm in the studio with Sarah Vora, who you guys would find on Instagram and social media as The Mind Medic. She has lots of experience in teaching women and men how to deal with their minds, how to overcome difficulties. Because as we know, running a marathon is one part physical and a lot mental strength. So welcome, Sarah. Hello, thank you for having me. I want to kick off with probably what's quite a big question. 26.2 miles is a mental battle as much as a physical one. How can listeners prepare their minds for race day? So I think anything that you can do to optimise um, your mental health is absolutely key. So one of the things that I've developed is a five sense strategy. Mm. So the five senses is, is focused on just that, our five senses. So our sense of sight, sense of hearing, taste, smell, touch. So if we start with our sense of sight, so obviously the most obvious thing is that you see is your schedule. So you've got your schedule in front of you, making sure that you're prepared. How many runs are you doing a week? Also being aware of the sorts of things you might see day to day so for instance social media so I would say limiting sort of social media interactions and also just following those accounts that motivate you rather than um, force you down a path of sort of comparison also you know if you're working as well as training you might find that you're not actually spending a lot of time with in real life friendships yeah. and in real life relationships so I think it's really important that you see people to make you feel good allow you to have that downtime because that's crucial because if you're thinking about the stress that you have at work and the stress of preparing for something almighty like a marathon you need to have your downtime moving on to the next sense so sense of hearing so in much the same vein, making sure that you're spending time with people who motivate you, who are spurring you on. Because when you tell someone that you're doing something like a marathon, you've got two schools of people. You've got the people that are going to motivate you. You've got the people that are going to be quite critical and they reflect on their own inabilities and own insecurities. And what you want to do is kind of drown out that noise, you know, because actually what you don't want to do is deter yourself from what your target is. How would you, how do you respond to that? Because that is, that is so true. Like I, I'm very much within the fitness world and within my day-to-day job and a, a lot of my friends work in fitness, but I still have the same thing of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you signed up for the marathon. I mean, accept what their comment is. You know, yeah. obviously that's maybe coming from a place of insecurity possibly. Yeah. And it, you know, as well, it's important to acknowledge it, but not get lost in it. Okay. Because the moment you think, okay, why am I doing this? Can I do this? You've kind of gone down this spiral of self-doubt and, and, and that will impact how you then feel and how you potentially might behave. It might impact your training. So I think it's really important not to get get lost in that okay listen to things like motivational podcasts music that motivates you so thinking about things that you can hear that will motivate you in in meeting your your goal the next sense is your sense of feel so I talk about sleep a lot because it's absolutely crucial that you get a decent amount of shut eye you know the amount of times I see people in clinic who have anxiety symptoms or low mood symptoms or might be struggling with their energy levels. And actually, a lot of the time, it boils down to the fact that they're not getting enough sleep. So it's really important you dedicate a decent amount of time each night. So we're looking at sort of eight hours of sleep, six to eight hours of sleep, making sure you go down 
the same time every night, you get up the same time every morning um, and you are very vigilant around kind of screen curfew. So switching off your phone an hour before bed um, is absolutely crucial because what you want to do is if you've got healthy sleep habits and you're sleeping well, that will improve your focus, that will improve your energy levels, your motivation and it will enhance your mood as well. So it's absolutely crucial. Next thing is taste. So um, making sure that you fuel yourself correctly, not only for you know, you to be able to physically get yourself around the marathon. And I'm not the best person to be talking about kind of nutrition and things. But in terms of the food that you eat will enhance kind of your cognitive performance, improve your focus. Again, I see people in clinic who struggle to focus, um, who struggle with their mood. And it might be that they're eating the wrong sorts of things or they're not eating enough. So making sure that you're eating plenty. And also, it's going to be quite anxiety provoking the whole process of preparing for a marathon Um, and thinking about things that might make those anxiety symptoms feel worse, so the heart racing, feeling jittery. So being really mindful about the caffeine that you consume. Mm. And, you know, people metabolise caffeine very differently. So, for instance, I know if I'm preparing for a run, I know that I have to limit my caffeine use because otherwise it'll exacerbate that anxiety. My heart will race that bit faster. So thinking about caffeine in coffee, but also hidden caffeine in sort of your energy gels and whey products. And then the sense of smell. So thinking about things that could um, calm you, so calming sense ahead of the race day, um, ahead of a run or, or following a run. Um, and also talk about smell in the hypothetical sense, so smelling the BS. So again, it comes down to kind of <laughs> things that you see or people around you that kind of say things or you hear things that sound too good to be true. And having the confidence to smell the BS and kind of smelling your success. So what what will the end product be, which is you know, sort of completing the marathon? So that's kind of how I thing and you might choose to focus on your sense of sight if that's the thing that you feel is hindering your mood or hindering your performance others might focus on the sense of taste but that kind of structure is quite useful I think for people as a starting point. That makes total sense and a few of the things that you've just said actually really kind of strike a chord with me because one of the things that I used to get I'd feel overwhelmed and a bit anxious about was doing enough training yeah but as soon as I took a training plan and I put it into my iCal then you're kind of like, you can see it visually in front of you and you're like, you know what you've got to do. Yeah. And you don't have that feeling of, I've got to get up and do something today. Exactly. Um, and then the same with sleep. Gosh, this year I've been really prioritising it. And it does just make such a difference, yeah. doesn't it? It really does. And, the, and that's the thing. It's it's really boring advice, yeah. but it, it does work. It does work. One of the things which we've briefly touched on, but... I'd like to chat to you a little bit more about is I think negative voices. Um, I think when you're when you're marathon training in the beginning, you maybe have them a little bit, and then a lot of the time we get over them because you start to see results. But then suddenly you find yourself at like 15 miles, and I find them really kick back in again of these negative voices in your head saying, "Can you really do it?" Or you're not going to be able to run the full 26. Yeah. Is there a strategy which people can use to kind of help dial them down? So I think the first thing, I mean, I love writing. I love journaling because I think it allows you to visualise, you know, how much of a problem it is. So if you find that you're getting caught up in a cycle of negative thinking, I always encourage people to write 
write what you're thinking down. How often are you getting those negative thoughts? Are and, and when are they happening? Are they happening before you go on a run? Are they happening last thing at night? You know, when everyone's gone to bed? Are they happening mid-run? Yeah. And actually, I think a lot of the time when people are having them say at night, it might be just be the cue that they need to actually get some sleep. They're probably right. overtired, overthinking. So my first piece of advice is write them down. Is there a pattern to negative thoughts? Are they happening at a particular time of day? And being able to to challenge them because the other thing that's really important is what evidence do you have that you can't achieve what you're setting out to do? You know, the very fact that you're training and you're able to hit 15 miles, you know, suggests actually there is that level of kind of focus, that level of motivation within you to be able to complete the full 26. So if you're telling yourself, I can't do 15 you know, chances are when you first started out training, you probably didn't think you could do 15 miles. Yeah. And and the fact that you're there and you're halfway through, actually it kind of proves a point to yourself. No, well, I am capable of doing it. And I think it's really important to, to not get lost in your head. So I think being able to challenge it, saying I haven't got any evidence that I can't do this, therefore I'm just going to carry on and enjoying the process because it's, you know, for whatever reasons you've chosen to do the marathon, there is an element that actually you enjoy the challenge. It's um, so true because this year it only the penny really dropped when I was like, the marathon day is actually one small part of marathon training. Absolutely. And it's the week that you do the least miles, pretty much, yeah. apart from in the beginning. <laughs> so your whole focus throughout it, though, is on this one day when actually there's such a big journey that leads up to it. Yeah. And so if you don't enjoy that, you're putting yourself through 12 to 16 weeks of pure distress and agony exactly for this one day yeah visualizations for runners um i've dabbled with this in the past but very much on a kind of i've made it up as i've gone along kind Mm. of thing and they seem to help me on the treadmill do you ever use visualization for runners do you think they're a thing so I think a lot of the time um, people might think of visualisation as just imagining yourself crossing the finish line. Yeah. But actually visualisation can be a lot more complex than that in the sense that we visualise the difficult legs that we might come across you know, during the 26 miles, the sort of twists and turns. And actually being able to visualise difficult obstacles can be quite helpful because you're able to visualise you overcoming them, which can kind of make make you feel mentally stronger and kind of feed that motivation and and that drive to be able to complete it. And would you sit and do that as in kind of like a meditation style setting, a classic one, just sitting quietly? Or would you do that whilst running? I think it's a mixture of both. I think for some people, if you're finding the negative thoughts creeping in mid-training, that might be a helpful exercise to do whilst you're running. It might be for some people when you've got the negative thoughts creeping in last thing at night, it might be helpful to kind of visualise um, the adversity and the obstacles that you might have to overcome in order to complete the marathon. So I think it's, it's there's no one size fits all, but I suppose it depends on where you find those negative th- feelings are, are stirring up more often. I went through a stage actually of not doing my meditation at home. I'd get off the train in the mornings and I'd walk through Green Park and St. James's and I would just stop on a bridge there mm-hmm. and I'd probably spend about just two to three minutes but just standing there with my eyes closed and breathing. I'm sure the tourists thought I was a bit bonkers <laughs> but I found that that was my on my way to work was 
the time in my day when my mind was really worrying about everything it had to process. Yeah. So I just found that by stopping and having this kind of mini pause, it really, really helped yeah. more than, say, getting up in the morning when I felt quite good because I was like, I've just had a sleep. I've got a cup of tea. Everything's <laughs> fine. But then it really kicked in like an hour later. So it was yeah. stopping at that point. And I think you've hit the nail on the head there. There's this idea that meditation has to happen at a certain time of day or that there's this idea that you have to sit cross-legged on the floor and um chance. You know, meditation can be just that, that you're finding a, a time or a space in your busy day just to be present with your thoughts, to kind of switch off from everything that's going on around you. It's about thinking about what's unique for you. And at you know, the example that you've just given, clearly that time felt most appropriate for you to be able to just be present in the moment and be present with your thoughts, regardless of whatever anyone else around you thought. (laughs) Yeah, there was all the tourists and there was all the pigeons. But for for that moment, there was just quiet in my mind. And it was great. So I often can feel quite overwhelmed in life when I take on a challenge and I have a busy job. And I have side projects. Um, And I think there is a lot of women that maybe feel the same because they've got busy family lives or they've got other stuff going on. So like their running challenge or any challenge isn't their main focus. So it can all become a little bit overwhelming. Do you have any advice for dealing with this kind of sense of panic? So I think making sure that you clean up your sleep, yeah. making sure that when you are finding the negative thoughts creeping in, that you're you're writing them down. Is there something that's perhaps triggered these negative thoughts? Being able to challenge them. And sometimes some people might actually experience physical symptoms of panic. What I'd say to people is just taking time out and focusing on your senses. Mm. And it's a quick exercise that I teach quite a lot of people to do. It only takes a couple of minutes. But if you're feeling really overwhelmed, and you just can't focus on anything else, you know, you can't focus on being the perfect mum or the perfect employee. Taking those two minutes and think, okay, what are the five things that I can see in my immediate environment? Four things that you can touch in your immediate environment. Three things that you can hear two things that you can taste and one thing that you can smell. And by the time you've taken yourself, you know, through all the senses, you might find that that sense of panic has just come down. So perhaps you're at a 10 and it's come down to, you know, a 7 or a 6. So that's a quick exercise where if you feel that it's kind of getting to the brink of you potentially having a panic attack or or feeling that you're going to combust, that's a really useful exercise to do. It's funny, isn't it? Because I still don't think we speak out maybe enough about the the physical symptoms. And I had a really bad panic attack about two and a half years ago. And I'll never forget being on the floor and just like couldn't breathe yeah. and then ended up in tears and everything. And I then ended up taking myself out of the situation. So that's when I actually got into walking, which mm-hmm. then is now making sense about all the whole senses thing and yeah. walking in the morning to have a bit of calm. But having those techniques now on hand, there's a couple which I use and I haven't tried that one, so I definitely will, can really just help you calm yourself back down yeah. again. Because it avoids you. Because the problem is if you are feeling overwhelmed with panic you're just going to be carrying on ruminating over the fact yeah. that you feel panicked and you're never going to escape and it's going to, it's a vicious cycle. Whereas actually if you completely distract your mind and, and choose a new focus, like taking yourself through the five senses, you suddenly move on from 
the I'm feeling panicked, oh my God, I yeah. can't breathe, oh my God, I'm going to die, to right, okay, I need to focus on the things that I can see around me, the things that I can hear, the things that I can touch, the things I can taste, the things I can smell. And then suddenly you're thinking, oh, actually, I've forgotten why I was panicked in the first place. It's a really, yeah. really simple exercise. And then moving on to during the race... Is there anything, any mind tricks which runners can do to help them avoid hitting the wall? Because many people talk about the wall being not just physical and it being part mental too. So I think, again, um, we've spoken about making sure that you don't just focus on the end goal. Right. Because if you've suddenly, you know, you're two miles in and thinking, oh, my God, I've got 24 miles of this left to go. Yeah. You're going to overface yourself. You're going to overwhelm yourself. So I think, you know, if you're going to ha- if you have to set yourself some targets, you know, whether it's, you know, I'm going to focus on that lamp lamppost up ahead yeah. or I'm going to follow that person in front of me till X amount of distance. So be it. But making sure that whatever goals you set yourself, that they're very small, they're measurable, they're achievable, rather than getting lost in what the end goal is. Okay. Because that can feel incredibly overwhelming. That can fuel feelings of self-doubt. Can I do this? Oh my God, what am I thinking? And you can get caught up in your own head so I think focus on things that you can see whilst they might feel like the smallest of goals in comparison it's kind of that mini tick that internal tick that makes you think actually no I can do that I got to that lamppost right I'm going to try and get to that other lamppost yeah and and that will help spur you on I think great thinking about it now I do wish last year I'd looked up the um marathon course before doing it I definitely didn't study it enough but I think putting that into practice for this year's marathon like if people look up the course and they know what to expect then you can kind of you can break down this whole 26.2 into more manageable markers as well can't you exactly and is there a a phrase or a self-talk that you think is useful to runners when they're running so I think Again, this is very unique. Some people Mm. might not find it helpful to look in the mirror and and say something to themselves to kind of uh, motivate them or inspire them to keep going. So I think it's about trying to reframe those negative feelings and challenge them. So if your heart's racing at the start line, reframe that as, okay, I'm feeling anxious, but it's because I'm excited. You know, if your legs are feeling wobbly, yeah, my legs are going to be feeling wobbly because I'm two miles from the end and I've taken it through this incredible journey already. That's so, so true. <laughs> I, and so I think it's really important not to kind of think that there's something wrong with you just yeah. because you're experiencing pain, you're experiencing self-doubt, you're experiencing anxiety, but trying to spin them and reframe them, I think it's really, really helpful. Yeah, God, that's so true. You forget, don't you, I think, when you're doing such a big thing of like, actually, there is a reason that I'm having these thoughts. Yeah. And it's because it's bloody tough. Exactly. (laughs) And so to round off today's brilliant chat, um, do you have one last tip for runners this year? So I would, picking up on your point around how you felt at the start line, I would ask people just to use that five cents tool just to kind of shift that focus from getting caught up in their own head. Um, Just a quick two-minute exercise, take yourself through the senses um, and then get ready to to smash it. What an insightful chat that has been. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. No, it's been great. If people want to get in touch with you, would you mind just sharing the best places? 
Yeah, I am on Instagram at The Mind Medic. Um, and so I share lots of practical tips and strategies because I think there's a lot of noise around mental health, but actually a lot of people are sharing more their own experiences. And I think sometimes people just want tips and strategies. Yeah, like, How I do I manage my own? You know, it's great that you're feeling like this and we're all feeling like this, but what can we do about it? So I'm hope, you know, hopefully my page is kind of a source of um, tips and strategies that people can can use and take away. Wow. I am definitely going to be using that resource. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. So, guys, I'm about to do this week's run chat and I am heading off with Kate Carter, who has a brilliant bio, I have to say. <laughs> she is a runner, she is a writer, and right now she is a part time panda <laughs> who is about to take on a few more marathons. So, welcome, Kate. Thank you very much. How long have you been running for? So, I can always remember this because I started when my youngest daughter was about six months old. And she is now, she tells me, coming up for the all-important seven-and-a-half birthday. Oh, and in that time, you've managed to fit in 12 marathons. <laughs> yes. You know, some of them have been for fun. You know, just kind of easy pace, enjoying it, not racing it. Um, and some of them have been, like, really big goals. Serious. That's stressful. <laughs> <laughs> but this year you have a different goal, don't you? Yes. I've got so I've got two marathons coming up I'm doing Boston which I'm taking kind of seriously in terms of like hopefully you know doing a decent time and so I'm doing London I always kind of apply for it not knowing whether or not I'm going to take it seriously or just pay somebody or whatever and then this year I decided I wanted to do something a bit different a bit fun and so I'm running it for a Guinness World Record for the fastest full body animal costume brackets female uh, all important uh, and yeah dressed as a panda what, why a panda and how on earth did you arrive at that decision uh, well the panda is because um, since I was really little I've always been obsessed with pandas someone gave me a panda like when I was born and then the next year when I was one somebody gave me another one and it just kind of you know that way that when you're a kid people just like you had your thing yeah <laughs> So, and even if you're not that into it, people just make it your thing. Yeah, you kind of end up having to be yeah. into it, yeah. But I definitely, I've always loved pandas. And also because, um, you know, the Japanese runner, Yuki Kawuchi. Yes. Who obviously won Boston last year. But he once ran a half marathon in a panda costume. And I figured if he can do it, you know, then I definitely should, should aim for it as well. I mean, he probably did it in about an hour. But. <laughs> <laughs> and so how have you been training to be a panda? 
<laughs> well, it's quite a complicated um, process, actually. I kind of thought, you know, we, with fancy dress running, you kind of just rock up. But you don't. You have to get... Um, to do it properly for Guinness you have to apply right and it's easier doing it in London than anywhere else because Guinness and London have a real like relationship a partnership so you can kind of it makes it a bit easier yeah because normally you have to kind of show so much evidence to Guinness afterwards that you have to basically film the entire thing and all this right. so you have to kind of get your costume and then it has to meet certain criteria for your whatever your category is and then you have to have it approved by Guinness so in terms of actual training, I have to say I haven't done an awful lot in it right so far because I've been kind of focusing on Boston. But my plan is to do a couple of kind of slightly longer runs in it just to check that nothing, you know, like really rubs or things that I could do something about don't happen, you know, like a seam on the inside or something like that. Because how heavy is it? It's, well, it's not one of those like structured massive huge things like the rhino guy right everyone always thinks that they've seen, seen the rhino yeah. guy so the head is kind of big and round but it's very light you know obviously when you're running in it it's not the same as just walking around in it so you have to kind of test out if it all wobbled and if it needs to be kind of secured in some different way and i mean i'm so in awe of people that make marathons harder <laughs> well do you know i mean the reason i did it was Partly because I wanted to just, just do something different, but I take my goals that I set myself seriously for me. Yeah. But I also don't take it, you know, I also enjoy it and don't take it seriously sometimes too. And I just sort of kind of thought, well, I want to prove that to myself as much as anything. But, you know, and also just it doesn't have to all be slogging out the miles and killing yourself. You know, sometimes you can do things for fun. Just enjoy it and, and raise money for charity too. Because you did actually say in the beginning of our chat just a few minutes ago that some marathons you've run and some marathons you've raced. Yes, yeah, yeah. I definitely make a, a distinction between the two. Do you think that a lot of people, especially beginner runners, don't perhaps think like that? Yes, yeah. I mean, definitely. And, and, and you know, when I did my first marathon, uh, London, whatever it was, five or six years ago, I... Um, I definitely kind of just wanted to finish it. And I mean, yeah, I wanted to do a decent time, but I, I was scared of the distance. I've never run that far before. You know, I think I can only say the difference between running it and racing it is, you know, that I've got to a point where I'm comfortable enough with it. Right. So it's definitely not, I think, something that everybody should be able to do, take less seriously, you know. Yeah. I definitely think there's a lot of kind of nerves and fear before your first or second or third whatever marathon and if you were like, like looking back on it now is there anything that if you were that first marathon runner again yeah. what you'd do differently what I sort of wish I'd known before my first one was that how important your brain is as how you should train your brain as well as your legs and how much of what you do in training is actually about preparing your head as much as it is your body and I don't think I realised that I'm not sure I realised that until, I don't know, <laughs> marathon five or six or something. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, that whole kind of mental process that you go through. Is that when you talk about training your brain, is that to deal with the negative thoughts? Or? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's to deal with the negative thoughts. It's to know that they will come and sort of how you're going to cope with them when they do. And there's no like magic bullet. There's no kind of way you can switch that off. I wish there was. 
but but it's kind of about preparing for that. So like, you know how in everything, every time you train for a marathon, there's probably a, like your longest run, say, oh my God, it lasts forever. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you're like, oh my God, how am I going to do that? Yeah. Plus six miles and faster. <laughs> that was me the other weekend. Yeah. But from experience, I know now that, I really believe, that that run is harder than the marathon because that's the one that you do tired, relatively under fuel, probably haven't carb loaded. You've probably had a busy week at work. You've not tapered. You haven't got any crowd support. No one's passing you gels and water and all that kind of stuff. It's still training, it's not the race. So that is definitely harder than the actual race will be. I hadn't thought about it that way. I mean, obviously the last few miles of America, they're always hard. Yeah. It's not like they're ever going to be easy. I felt like my legs were... I felt like I was going through quicksand. Yeah. yeah, I know that feeling all too well, yeah. It was actually about this point, though. We're actually running past the end of the marathon route. Oh, we are, yes. And this is about... I think this is about 600 metres out. It is, yeah. And I remember hitting this point and just feeling like I wasn't going to make it to the finish line. Yeah. But I'd been doing quite a lot of gym work and... My PT at the time last year was saying, this is to get you strong enough so you can sprint that last bit. Yeah. If you've got anything left, you can sprint it. And I was thinking in training, there is no way. But somehow I got round the corner just past Buckingham Palace and I remembered what he said. Yeah. And you are right, my mind definitely took over from my body because I was like, yeah, totally. I'm going to do this. Yeah. And then I beat the poo emoji down the, <laughs> down the mouth. Excellent. Life life highlight yeah <laughs> well it's i mean it's all the kind of you know the central governor theory which is kind of a sort of mental thing with running where basically like your brain tells you to slow down and preserve energy before you actually need to it's a sort of self-preservation instinct yeah you know it kind of goes you can't do this you're spending too much energy so you're kind of you have to shut that voice up because you know there's all sorts of studies they've done on treadmills and stuff where They've said to people, right, you know, run till you're exhausted. But now you've got another mile, but we'll give you, you know, some big reward or something like that that can overcome the, the negative thoughts. And people find this other gear yeah. that they didn't know they had. And I think, you know, a lot of the end bit of a marathon is all about that. Yeah, finding It's all about telling gear. your brain, yeah, you can do this. But I suppose now you've done so many... Marathons and training runs, you've got the experience of that, so... Yeah, yeah. I think it's partly also about knowing that sometimes when you have a really low patch that you can get through it and come out the other side, it isn't a, it isn't a kind of slide. Right. Like, if you're feeling really crappy in a, in, in a point in a race, it doesn't necessarily mean it's only going to get worse. You know, it could just be that you didn't realise you're going off a slight incline or you just have little dips. And sometimes it's about your checking in you're like okay so my head's saying oh so down but actually you know what what's your body saying it's actually all right i feel all right so let's just carry on see how we feel in five minutes you know everyone's probably listening in and thinking good she's training to be a panda but obviously <laughs> you know you also do have a, a full-time job as a writer and you're presenter on the running channel yeah like how on earth you fit it all in. If you really want to do something, you find a way, don't you? You just get a bit ruthless about it. So, like, I used to... When I was at The Guardian full-time, I used to run in a lot. OK. And then I'd run at lunchtime. And actually, like, running to work, 
took maybe 15 minutes longer than the than than so this is the whole way as well took maybe 15 minutes longer to run 10 miles than it did to get the tube oh. so actually you're not really kind of eating into your your spare time as it were that much do you try and do the majority of your running outside yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i really hate treadmills i've started doing slightly more because i joined the gym and uh, sometimes it's just easier to if you want to do a class or something I, and i want to do a run as well then i'm kind of there so and also you know if you do a lot of miles there is a kind of protective element to treadmill running in terms of the kind of softer surface so i was going to say your mileage is obviously a lot higher than what you would say for kind of your entry-level marathon runner yeah yeah definitely <laughs> just going back to boston yes have you run it before no it's no. my it's actually the last of the majors for me oh really so i'm gonna touch wood all goes well i'm gonna finish and get my uh my super duper medal oh wow uh, which you know you get for doing all six you know i kind of tell myself whatever happens in boston however however well or badly it goes at least i'm getting that medal <laughs> yeah that it's going to be a great day it is obviously yeah. it's such an iconic absolutely course. yeah and it's a great one to finish with of all of all the six what's the first thing you do after a marathon <laughs> it's funny isn't it because especially in the run-up to my first few i suppose i i have a tendency to kind of try to be super healthy for about a month out so I, sometimes i've given up booze mainly just because i sleep really badly if i drink anything i give up chocolate but it's just really almost as a ritual as much as anything it's not that i think there's anything wrong with chocolate you know yeah um so I always fantasize about finishing and then immediately like, oh, I'm going to eat all the chocolate. But of course what happens is I actually end up just feeling a bit sick yeah. and basically not really be able to eat for the rest of the day. So do you <laughs> feel sick after long runs? Because it's yeah. something, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how do you deal with it? Um, I don't stress about it too much. I eat what I can. Often something really plain like, you know, bagel or peanut butter would probably be <laughs> yeah. a good choice. So just kind of get down what you can, nibble at stuff, rather than sitting down to a big meal, because that's really not off-putting. I think that's where I've been going wrong, because I've been getting feeling really nauseous. So yeah. I've been eating, and then I just get a massive headache, vom, and have to go to bed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I find that certain things I can stomach and think about, and certain things just make me feel queasy. So anything like really, anything with loads of eggs or dairy or anything like that would just make me feel oh god no yeah it has to be really simple kind of carbs or maybe something with a bit of salt as well do you take electrolytes after i don't know no. i don't really take anything to be do honest not. i was gonna say no, i'm really um like my husband's always trying to say to me you know you've done a big session and you go to the gym you should do a protein shake and i'm just like oh i just can't do them i hate the texture like i like real food yeah I can eat uh, like a protein bar, but then if I'm going to run, I can't eat that because I just get a stitch. Okay. And then I, I really hate the texture of protein shakes. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're not for everyone. It's no. the kind of this, almost the, the creamy slime, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, to be honest, I don't even like the kind of unhealthy equivalent, like milkshakes and stuff. Uh, when I was yeah, a kid, I always hated it's milkshakes. It's a hard pass. Yeah, it's just a hard pass on blended stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and who are you raising money for this year in your giant panda suit? World Wildlife Fund, of course, for the pandas. Yeah, yeah. It had to be for the pandas. So, 
I can share that link and so everyone can. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a Just Giving page um, all set up with a picture of Hander on it, obviously. <laughs> um, Have you thought about what you're going to do if it's another hot year? Uh, I think I'd be cooked panda, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure is like a criminal offence in, uh, in China. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to... Yeah, the, the record that I am sort of supposed to beat to get the record, that is, yes. is 4 hours 13. Right. My PB is 2.59. Wow, well, OK. Um, so, obviously, it's, you know, it should be comfortable. I don't want to kind of stress about it too much. I want to enjoy it. Where are you going to stash your gels in your panda suit? Or have you got, <laughs> have you got a panda, panda support crew dotted around the marathon? Well, I do have... I mean, that's a really good point, actually. I've got... Um, my running club has a big cheer station. So I think I might stash some gels. With you Maybe running? some kind of... And actually, if it is warm... You know, I say I don't take electrolytes, but if there's any time when I should... It'll be there. in a panda costume would be yeah. it. So um, I might give that a go. And I mean, if I end up like doing it in five hours and walking lots of it and jogging bits and whatever, then I don't care, you know. I want to enjoy it. I want to high five every kid on the route. Oh. And like, you know, because you, when you race it, you get that tunnel vision. Yeah. Where, when I raced Seville, which is where I got my PB, so I loved it because I got a PB. It was brilliant. But then we were... I actually ended up going back to Seville about six months later on a family holiday with my kids. And um, we were walking around, my husband kept saying, oh, did, did the race come here? And I was like, no idea. Literally didn't recognise anything. Because you'd just been because so you just, focused. Because you just, like, you developed this total tunnel vision where you're just looking ahead, you're trying to chase that runner down or whatever you're yeah. doing, you know. You don't take it in at all. Whereas the ones I've done where I've, you know, run rather than race, I've really taken it in, so like Tokyo, yeah, you know, I was grinning my way round, waving at people, just having a great time and not caring what the time was. And that's kind of what I want to do. And like, you know, all those little kids who stand at the side passing jelly babies to people and, you know, hours and hours of their Sunday supporting these random strangers. You know, I just want to kind of say thanks. And so everyone that's listening in is going to be probably about two weeks out of their marathon. Yes. So is there any last bit of advice you'd like to give this year's runners? Yeah, if you're two weeks out from your marathon, you have done all the hard work. Do not try to play catch up. You know, if you've missed a long run, don't worry about it. Nobody has a perfect training cycle. And if they do, then, you know, <laughs> doesn't necessarily even mean they have a perfect race. So don't play to, try to play catch up. Rest while you can try not to worry too much because it's just like nervous anxiety is just wasting energy don't change anything just because someone tells you oh well actually i developed this whole new strategy with it, a whole new pair of shoes uh, do not listen to them <laughs> stick to your plan and your pace not theirs and just you know do what you know that you can do not what someone else thinks you can do or what someone else tells you they did yeah because um, there is that thing isn't there where like I think people try to be really helpful. Yes, but it's just too much advice. But yeah, 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 yeah. sometimes there is a thing, a thing of just too much good stuff. And Definitely. It's just like, yeah. Actually, in those last few moments, yeah. just keep trying. And, and the whole kind of rush of blood to the head. Like, I mean, I have to say, there's <laughs> mostly guys who do this, not women. But like, they get to the start and they feel all fresh and they're like bombing it and they get to halfway and like, oh, I've just set a half marathon PB. And you're like, yeah, that's not going to end well. <laughs> you know, just like, you have to stick to what you can do 
um, yeah, so that would be my advice. Be Amazing. Sensible. <laughs> well, we're all going to be cheering you on for Boston and then London. It'll be hard to miss in London. <laughs> yeah, hard to miss in London. So everyone that's listening in, where can um, where can we follow you? Where's the best place to follow your journey? Uh, so Instagram and Twitter. Um, I'm Kate Helen Carter, all one word, same on both. Um, I'm on Strava as well. Might put some Strava Panda runs in there as well. Oh yes, <laughs> that is super fun. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. And on the running channel. And on the running channel, yeah, which you can find on YouTube. Um, yes. And you can subscribe. And there's all sorts of... There's actually some really good advice on there for marathon runners, particularly kind of first-timers, okay. um, on, like, fueling and tapering and kind of how to, like, mentally prepare yourself now for the, for the day itself. So definitely worth checking out for, for newbies. There you go, guys. So as you're going to have a bit more time on your hands during your taper, because you're not going to be running for three, four hours on a Sunday, yep. <laughs> put your feet up and log on to the running channel. And watch somebody else running. <laughs> yeah, watch somebody else running. Well, thanks, Kate. And thanks, guys, for listening in. See you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Welfare, your guide to conquering 26.2. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do take 30 seconds to rate and review us on iTunes. It really does make all the difference. And I and the team read absolutely everything you write, which means the world to us. New episodes will be released every Sunday on all the usual podcast platforms, so please do subscribe and never miss a notification. Until then, thanks again to all of you for listening and supporting us, and thanks to Mags Creative, the producers of this show. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 